And ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for your main event. In this corner, from parts unknown, coming in at a combined weight of 532 pounds, the J-Brone Express. And in this corner, utilizing the free bird rules, your tag team champions of the world. At a combined weight of 832 pounds, the Brothers in Kayfabe. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast. I am Jake Keel, one of the three Brothers in Kayfabe. Although being brothers is a work for us, we are basically shoot brothers as it is. To my right, the newcomer to the territory, that's Triple J, Jimmy Jackson. How you doing, Jimmy? Good, good. It's good to be here. I am... I'm excited to talk wrestling this week. Um, I'm excited to talk wrestling every week, but this week in particular because we uh, we got to get together and watch a little wrestling uh, together this last weekend, and uh, yeah, just uh, just yeah. A, good, a good week. It was a good week. It was a good week, and uh, to my left, the man with more wrestling knowledge in his pinky finger than the rest of us combined, Mister Wrestling, Landon Bumgarner. What's up, Landon? What's going on, guys? And uh, you said the most wrestling knowledge, but also with the less hair out of the three of us at the moment. Oh, uh, man. Jimmy He's... was right. We uh, we got to get together and watch some good old-fashioned wrestling uh, this past weekend. It was wrestling. We... I, like, it wasn't wrestling. It was wrestling. It was 100%. Uh, it was wrestling. Georgia-inspired wrestling. Dude, that's what I love about AEW. Like I said this weekend it's like watching wcw but not making the bad mistakes that wcw made (laughs) yeah it's like i think it's so interesting like how many parallels there are to wcw but you don't have now don't get me wrong it could happen one day but it's like you don't have like the booking book being just passed around uh right and guys like politically after it i still like this is just my personal opinion i would still i know tony khan has stepped up a lot and i would like someone other than like the elite to have booking power just because like just the way history is proven like talent booking it's like i i think out of everyone they'll be the most likely to like continually put themselves over uh but you never know like say they get like a huge like tv contract extension uh but yeah so we all watch we know who the booker is i assumed it was cody i think it i know there's been like aspects passed around like kenny kenny oversees like the women's division yeah okay yeah. Well, Basically, you know, I, I guess we should say we watched Revolution, right? Like we we finally watched Revolution. We yeah. finally were able to watch the last pay per view, which um, I mean, nothing really came as a shock because we had seen it or we knew what was going to happen. Um, we just happened to get together to see it. Uh, it's still a hell of a pay per view, though. It was really, really good. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, and I got to say, like, even though I knew you know what was going to happen with the title it was that was still a really great match well i mean it's it's awesome just seeing moxley go over finally like yeah i mean the dude's been a monster since he went over there so 
And I think, uh, I think just from title match perspective, in my opinion, that might be the best like title match they've had. Yeah. Just yeah. in terms, like, okay, like, first you had Jericho and Hangman to decide it, and it's like, Hangman's trying to establish himself. Jericho's a veteran. Uh, right. Becomes inaugural champ. Okay, let's see how Jericho does, like, on paper as, like, the top of the company. Then we see stuff with Cody, which was good uh, storytelling-wise. Uh, but I think now that it's like, okay, Jericho's, like, established himself as the champion. And uh, I think now we're really getting to see... Uh, John Moxley uh, really coming to his own because the hard thing about like when somebody first comes in uh, to a promotion is they have a lot of hype around them and a lot of just build up of like hey this is mm-hmm. something brand new but then it's like okay but how did they hold up like after that initial like like the hype and the flame around them comes out and so we, it was nice to see like okay like this is like 100% better than seeing anything that Dean Ambrose did because uh right you know there's uh whatever the creative is behind it like whatever the stuff John Moxley is doing on AEW camera seems like it's a little more true to what he was now I'll say like I did enjoy uh some of like Dean Ambrose's stuff towards the end of his career Uh, because he you know one thing is like you know and he's like spoken about how frustrated and upset he was but it was like you know like he still did a good job of like hey like you're handed this make it work and he made it work a lot of the time Uh, what did you what did you guys think uh, was your personal favorite match on the card I'll let Jimmy answer that first. Okay. Um, hmm. I. I mean, I'm a. I. I'm a mark for the Young Bucks, so that match was really good. Like, I, I can't. I can't deny that. I, I just every time I see a Young Bucks match, it's kind of like you know what you're getting. It's not. It's, yeah. It's usually not that. Um, it's exciting, but it's not exciting in the sense that you're going to see something you haven't seen before. Um, you know, they're just going to go out there and be absolutely ridiculous and. It was Young Bucks versus I can't even remember who they were against, but it was Hangman and uh, oh Omega. yeah, Hangman and Omega. Well, that made it even better. Yeah, I mean that that right there was the elite explodes. I mean it was amazing. Like I loved that match. Um, but then besides that, I gotta say is probably close to a tie for the the uh, Moxley and Jericho match because that's just like a match that. I feel like that's a match 20 years from now people are going to be saying, do you remember, do you remember, you know, Moxley Jericho back at Revolution in 2020? Right. You know, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a great match, you know. So, it was a toss-up. To me, to me, that card was full of just like, excuse me, people beating the crap out of each other. Dude, yeah. (laughs) Like, like Jericho and and Moxley, I keep on wanting to say Ambrose because Landon brought up <laughs> Dean Ambrose, but uh, Jericho and Moxley like beat the crap out of each other. The Elite and uh, the Young Bucks beat 
the crap out of each other. Like it was watching a New Japan uh, match there. And we we to jump in here, we brought up a point when we were watching it together. Uh, you know, we want to keep kayfabe alive. I w- I want kayfabe to be alive, but we have this. You know, there's this kind of understood thing that whenever uh, the people in the ring together are actually friends in real life, that they'll take a little bit more liberty because uh, there's exactly. that deeper trust. And so they'll lay stuff in a little thicker. Uh, I'm all for, like, laying stuff in snug as long as it's still safe. Like, there's no reason to oh, yeah. hurt yourself. But, it's I mean, there's a big difference in, like, oh, you know, like, they're throwing a super kick and it like it's actually connecting instead of like oh well he went to super kick his chin and like hit him in the stomach or something like that uh so did i go ahead did i bring up did i bring up the bret hart point on on saturday i don't uh, think so so like we were talking about how stiff the matches were but i mean like that's just what we see what we think we're seeing y'all y'all've seen bret Bret, Bret Hart work a match. Oh, I yeah. know Landon has. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, you, I have. You Absolutely. Have. Dude looked like he beat the crap out of people, right? You know how he trained to make it look like that? He, have you heard this, Jimmy? No. I think Landon does. So he had a feather tied to a string. And before Stu let him work a match, he had to punch that feather to where... He made contact, but it didn't move. Oh, my gosh. That is... So... Wow. Everyone he went against was like, it looked like he beat the crap out of me, but I didn't feel a thing. So, I'm just wondering if they're just that good or if they're actually beating the crap out of each <laughs> other. Because be, now you hear, uh, like, if you've literally ever listened to any episode of Ric Flair's podcast, you'll hear him talk about, you know... Uh, like Harley Race has like the best left hand in the business, uh, and it's because like he's actually like his punches look so good because he's actually punching you as hard as he can. And that, well, that, that's uh, that's Mick Foley talking about Terry Funk, saying saying I always wondered how he got his like punches look so good. He's like then I got in the ring with him and he punched me in the head as hard as, <laughs> as he could. Hard as he could. <laughs> and so like I I I feel like with younger guys just because like watching. Like, if you watch wrestling over the past 20 years, you can kind of see the difference of, like, someone like a Bret Hart or a Ric Flair or a Hogan laying in a punch versus, like, you notice with guys today, uh, and we joked about uh, Greg and Dustin tweeting about this, (laughs) but it's like they've really, like, you don't see as many punches as now you see, like, forearms into the neck. Yeah, which is right. like it. I was such like the first time I saw that, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, that's sick. That's getting into MMA territory. And now I feel like the elbows to the neck have become like the new punch. But I'll, we'll get into this here in just a a second. I've been watching some old school wrestling this week and seeing guys like Big Boss Man. If you've never like studied a match and seen just how great his punches are, like. It's not, like, a super strict, like, hey, like, I'm a guy on the independents who's, like, been doing MMA classes, like, on the side, like, to develop my striking. Right. It's, like, this is just a big guy that you're at a bar and 
you say something to him that he doesn't think is funny, so he gets up and like rears back and like with like the most ridiculous form like swings, <laughs> but you know he's probably gonna take your head off when he hits Dude, you. That's amazing. Well, with all that said, um, a close second was a tie between the tag team title match, you know, the Bucks versus the Elite and uh moxley and jericho for me but uh first place went to cassidy and pack because i've now watched that like four times yeah and every time i get up for that match like it's amazing what these guys will do with a dude that's supposedly limited i'm doing that with air quotes limited in the ring as orange cassidy's character makes it like his opponents end up at least appearing to us doing a lot of the work. And it, it just amazes me to watch a guy work against Cassidy like that and get everything over because that, that crowd was as hot as it was for any other match for that match, especially with all the chance early on, especially like uh, the, he's going to try, he's going to try. Like (laughs) it's just, it's amazing whenever you can get comedy that uh, a comedy match that makes gets to that level, you know, like people were treating it like it was a five star Matt classic. Dude, and yeah, uh, it's it is crazy how over Orange Cassidy is and how over he is with me. Like, I love him so much. <laughs> it was it, it's it's crazy for me, too, because like I've. I like comedy wrestling. There's a place for comedy wrestling, but like I've never gone out of my way to say a comedy match was my favorite match on the card. So, you know, for me to say that orange Cassidy, like that was my favorite match, you know, that, that that's kind of saying something for the, for that match. Like plus pack is like the perfect kind of opponent for that because he's just such a great worker and he made, He's another one of those dudes that makes it look like he is beating the tar out of somebody. Yeah, I don't ever want to meet that dude in real life because I'm scared right. of him. What's crazy is, like, I would tower over the guy, and I'd still be afraid to mess with the dude. <laughs> yeah. So, Landon, what was your favorite match on the card? My favorite match, I think... Uh, man, it's either, I think... Just from a storytelling standpoint, either Cody versus MJF. Oh, man, I forgot about that match. Or, uh, <laughs> like, Goldust, or, I'm sorry, Dustin Rhodes was great uh, as well, especially with his sick new face paint where it's like yeah. his face is, like, un- unzipped. Uh, Jericho versus Moxley was good. I think I got to go with Cody... Uh, versus MJF just because of the storytelling leading up to that point yeah. and then uh, the uh, the storytelling of the match. And I'll say this, and I mean this with the utmost respect, uh, so sometimes, like, things that happen on TV and wrestling, and I think this is one of WWE's biggest problems now is, like, you took 40 minutes to say something that should have taken 20 minutes to say. Or you took right. 20 minutes to say something that should have taken 5 minutes to say. I feel like some of the build-up with Cody versus MJF 
was like that. Like, it was all solid. But watching, like, the video package uh, with, like, the additional yeah. graphics of just where it's, like, MJF saying, like, hey, like, you'll get your match on three conditions. Condition number one, do this. Condition number two, do this. Condition number three. And, like, seeing, like, the condensed uh, clips of that. That was more effective to me uh, than, like, watching the individual segments as they happened. Yeah. Now, yeah. I will say, like, you can't, like, there's, this is just my personal opinion, there's no amount of action that can surpass, like, long-term, long-term storytelling. Uh, right. Like, case in point, like, uh, if you were to ask me, I think the best match that's happened in AEW since their uh, incarnation is Cody versus Dustin. Oh, yeah, by far, I'd say. Like that, and you, yeah. <coughs> I think the reason it stands out so much is because you have that storytelling that has been built up for years to where, like, it just, like, it carries a lot more weight than, like, hey, we're going to have Dustin versus uh, one of the guys from Private Party this week. Uh, right. It's like, oh, like, I'm sure there's going to be something, like, there's going to be a cool highlight in that match, but it's not going to carry the same uh, weight as that. All in all, uh, Revolution was great. I think they've had stronger shows. Yeah, I'd agree but, with that. Yeah. But what, like I told you guys uh, when we were watching it, the one thing I appreciate about AEW, and I don't know if it's their presentation or what, but their pay-per-views feel like pay-per-views. Versus, you know, oh, like, cool, here's, you know, Elimination Chamber or here's Fastlane or something. It's yeah. like, It just feels like another weekly episode of TV. Well, I thought it was, you know, go ahead, oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was cool. Like, you know, obviously we're like, you know, a month or even two months almost removed from Revolution. And, and so all the little, like, ads in it were for, like, this... Uh, "Quote unquote blood and guts match that uh, yeah. was going to happen, um, and I thought it was so cool that they didn't relegate blood and guts match to a pay per view. They it was just going to be on an episode of Dynamite. Hey, we're doing a special episode right. of Dynamite. It's this, um, and I I would love to see WWE do more of that. I know they can't; they're in too mm -hmm. deep that type of thing. But having only four pay per views a year, first of all, I don't mind paying pay per view prices." Right, like I don't. Right, it doesn't. You know, totally make me that upset. Um, and then you have the ability to build actual storylines into it instead of now it's yeah. like, okay, we got we get out of mania and you have four weeks to figure something out for Money in the Bank. Um, and like, yeah, m the Money in the Bank match this year is going to be cool with the whole corporation. You got to climb mm. the corporate tower or whatever. Um. But if that was just on an episode of Raw or SmackDown, like, to get me hyped for SummerSlam, because SummerSlam is the actual thing that I care about, then that would make a little more sense than trying to do a whole other pay-per-view. It just feels like you can't, you can't effectively well, build. I was thinking about this whole, because I remember your comment, Landon, about how they feel like pay-per-views. And so I thought about that a little bit, and... You know, I was sitting there thinking, when was the last time that a pay-per-view in WWE felt like a pay-per-view? And it was back when they weren't 
giving it away for $9.99 or free each month. Like, all of a sudden they've got a network and it's like, well, well, damn, pal, we got to we gotta give them something each month. And it's not, you know, they're not making us, they're not earning it by making us pay the $50 for their show. It's like a, it's like a, well, you've already got the subscription, so here's some new crap. And I'm not saying that everything in WWE is crap because there are some great workers. There's a lot of good workers in, in WWE. But, you know, AEW is doing it to where what? They have four or five pay-per-views a year. And so once they get to that pay-per-view, they've been building this. They've been building it for a couple months at the very least. And WWE has gotten into this deal where we got, well, we got to get at least one pay-per-view special event out each month maybe even two and so how are they special anymore they're not i mean even wrestlemania to the point hasn't really felt special the last couple years they've been great cards and had a lot of surprises but you know it to me that's just how i feel about it they just don't feel special anymore Totally. I think the biggest and worst thing that has happened to the wrestling business, period, is oversaturation. Yeah. Uh, Raw moving to three hours weekly was a big mistake. Some people, you could argue Raw and SmackDown moving to two hours a week uh, was a mistake just because, uh, you know, being a mark it's like oh like i want to consume all the wrestling i can especially when i was younger and i had the ability just to get home from school and then watch as much wrestling as i wanted uh with nwa power they proved uh right off the bat it's like how easy it is to digest a well-written one-hour show oh yeah and so I think, Jake, I think you hit it right on the head. They've And WWE's been super clear about they want fans to be oversaturated with content oh, with man. the hopes of like, hey, you're never going to want to watch anything else or look at anything else because we've given you more than you could ever want. But it's like, is, like what's, is it better to have one hour of good weekly product or... 15 hours of mediocre product. Yeah, I think it's better to have one hour. I mean, Jimmy, what do you think? I would agree. Well, and also, you know, we can kind of segue a little bit if we want to, but I think because you have so many, so much time to fill, you have so many people on your roster, and that causes you at a time like this to maybe let go of a lot of people in one go. If some right. something bad happens, um, obviously WWE released a ton of people. Um, right, that is all maybe tied to the XFL as sort of the understanding. Now, did y'all did y'all hear that? Yeah, Vince McMahon is getting sued today. I just saw that before we started recording. Vince McMahon is getting by sued the commissioner of the XFL, but getting sued because he basically was saying. I was promised this money and I'm not getting it. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I, I, w- I will say like, uh, I think the guy has a right to do that. 
I think so too. But I will say, like, the scary thing is, like, Vince McMahon and the WWE <laughs> have never lost lawsuits. <laughs> like, and I, I think that's the story of, like, any, like, big public corporation is, like, you just can't do it. But it is, like, uh, that whole thing was shady, and I was I was very disappointed because uh, I, I loved uh, this season of the XFL way, leaps and bounds better oh, I did too. than the original. Uh, and I'm a guy, like, I love football, uh, but I get burnt out on watching live football. Like, I would yep. much rather just keep up with scores. Uh, just And I think it's just from an oversaturation thing, and you get a lot of the politics. I mean. Uh, involved, but the XFL, like, I was watching every Saturday and Sunday. It was great. And then Corona happened. It was easily digestible. Exactly. Like, it was clear. It was, The gameplay was sped up. It was like, hey, like, we're not going to have any filler. Like, we're just going to play ball and do it. But then the XFL suspends operations uh, for the rest of the season because of Corona. And what, because what was encouraging was like everything else suspended except the XFL, and then a week later they suspend. And then yeah. all of a sudden it comes out like, hey, we're liquidating the company. There will not be a 2021 season. And like immediately it's like, uh oh. And then all of a sudden you see like everything but a skeleton crew has been uh, laid off. And you think, well, maybe they're just going like bare bones to survive, financially survive this season and then bring everyone back uh you know in 2022 but that was not the case and then they filed bankruptcy uh vince is a genius uh like <laughs> good or bad like he, <laughs> he is he's a genius financially in the way he handled it to where i think uh, the way he has it set up is he Vince McMahon personally will not have to pay a single cent as far as like recovering the debt from the XFL. Uh, but the thing I really didn't like, and I'm not surprised by it at all, was in 2015 when they did the first, uh, they did like the big live reveal about the XFL coming back, and they did this Q and A, a live Q and A with Vince McMahon and Oliver Luck. And it said, "What is there? Is the WWE going to be affiliated any way at all? Like even financially?" And they were very clear of, "No, this is like this is all under Alpha Entertainment. It has no connection with the WWE other than Vince McMahon uh, <coughs> is financially part of both." But oh, then no. through the bankruptcy picture, uh, or through the bankruptcy forms coming out. Uh, then it became apparent that the WWE, it was either 23% or 33%. Like, World Wrestling Entertainment had 33% uh, stake in the XFL. So then immediately it's like, well, okay. And so I think that's what makes it really easy. And, like, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know all the details. But I think there's a part of, like the reports of Vince being upset and frustrated uh, with losing, and then all of a sudden we have all these simultaneously, all these simultaneous releases of people in WWE, but then you also see, mm -hmm. like, hey, like, they took, there's reports between, like, 22 and, like, $40 million lost because of WrestleMania this year. Yeah. 
and WWE's always been very clear about like they gamble every WrestleMania because they want it to be bigger uh, financially than the one before, and so uh, I think that's also part of it, like trimming the fat, good uh, or bad, during this. It's just like it's I, just a sucky thing. I'm with you on that part, but their projected numbers for the year is still a billion dollars, like, which is re- what they made last year. Yeah, and the fact that so potentially they could I, have I'm not on that train. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fact that they could potentially have record-breaking profits for 2020 financially. Uh, and it'd be like, here's where I stand on that. Like, as a business person like i totally like i totally get that on paper but it's like would you rather make record-breaking profits because you have quality content as a company and like hey like our live events whenever they return are way up like we're getting better ratings on tv or doing it because you're trimming expenses right well i mean I think that, like, the way I chose to view it is I, I feel terrible for all of these people who got fired, furloughed, all of the above, right? Like, I, I just it, – it makes me so sad for them. As several of them have said, like, they can't just go out and wrestle someplace else because it's – we're everyone – no one's wrestling. Like – Right. Um, and, and two, it's like – this is a company that uh, some of these people like Zack Ryder or Heath Slater have been with over a decade. They've been there. I mean, almost two decades in some cases. Right. It's like all of a sudden now this company wants nothing to do with you. You're done because they're trimming fat. And it, it on one hand, it makes me really sad. On the other hand, and the way that like I want to try to view it is, is this going into a time where WWE is going to put their head down and actually make a good product. I don't think they... I would hope. I don't think... Well, me too. I don't think they... I think some of the people they cut are the people they should have been using, but... Right. Like, is this... Hey, we're actually viewing this as we were hoarding this talent earlier because AEW exists and New Japan exists and all this stuff, and and now we're going to put our head down... We're actually just going to make wrestling that people like. And in order to do that, we have to get rid of some of these people. Well, I don't know. It, it feels like the war between AEW and WWE has reached the point, like all last year in 2019, I mean, as like my first kind of full year of wrestling fandom, it was such an exciting time because it was always something new. I mean, it was like AEW. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Impact has a better TV deal, and NWA is doing a show, and um, you know, I mean, just all of these different things that keep that kept happening. I mean, it, like, I remember at one point I was talking to Landon, and I was like, Landon, something every single day is happening that is important to wrestling, and right. that is so mm-hmm. cool. And then we've reached in October. It's like NXT uh, goes on USA, Fox gets SmackDown, Dynamite launches on TNT. Um, and like those first few weeks are so exciting and then it dies and then I feel like it dies down. And now we're at the point in, you know, n- close to the end of April where it's like, this truly is just heads down plowing forward. I mean, there's nothing that wrestling's always exciting, but there's nothing like looking forward 
Like all last year, it was like, I'm so excited when AW gets a TV show. I'm so excited when Sm- SmackDown goes on Fox. What's that going to look like? All that stuff's over, and now it truly is just like, who's making better wrestling? Who who right. who do I get to watch every week because I like it more than well, everything else? And I would hope the WWE would would sort of take some of these bad things and turn them into something that could actually make an interesting product for WWE. But I, I don't know with Vince in charge. I just don't know if that's possible anymore. And and to survive it and get to that point again, we're going to have to have 97 Vince back. We're going to have to have the dude that had to bury his feet in the ground and push because I'm about to lose my company. Now, I don't know if Vince is in that dire straits. Like I said, they're cleared to make a billion dollars this year. And in the middle of a pandemic when everyone's losing money. But, you know, it's it's funny that we didn't even tend on talking about this. I know, I love it. Like, this in depth today. But, like, you know, it's like we're the Brothers and Profits <laughs> podcast right now. <laughs> the fi- but, financial uh, advisors in, in kayfabe. You know, you know? I, was, I was sitting here thinking, you know, and next on the Brothers and XFL podcast, <laughs> we're going to... We're going to talk about what XFL players are going to join the NFL. Um, but uh, we've got to have, first of all, Vince needs to take AEW seriously, and I don't think he is. I don't think he is either. Be- hey, boys, breaking news. Our boy Gronk has just been traded to the Buccaneers. What? So he he's not going to be with the WWE anymore? <laughs> I've, at this point, I have no idea. It's like, here's the thing with, like, what is Go, happening? Going back to like what like what is wrestling in 2020? Like I get the mainstream appeal of Gronk, and you shell out all this money to have him at WrestleMania, but then it's like he was the worst. It's like if Gronk is that big of a deal, like why aren't you using that for like a mainstream? Like the wrestling fans oh. are gonna hate Gronk, but like the mainstream fans are like, oh dude, like that's Gronk for the Patriots, like. Turn to that, like, I would but hope. It's, it's Go ahead. It's not like they signed Tom Brady. Like, I know it's Rob Gronkowski, and he's a big name, but, like, it's not like they signed the absolute superstar of all superstars. It's not like when Mike Tyson came into the company and did a cup of coffee. I've, I've, I've wanted to talk about that because uh, I talked to my roommate about that. It was, like, when was the last time, like, I would say probably, like, Floyd Mayweather – but even like when they brought him in, like he wasn't that he wasn't nearly as big of a star as he was a couple of years well, ago. Well, I guess you. Could, I mean, right. not that it's was for a cup of coffee. She actually wrestled, but I, I guess you could say R- R- Rousey, right? Ronda Rousey, yeah. like Rousey's a great yeah. example. Is like for how long have we had like mediocre celebrities like do stuff for W? Like look at the like the guest general manager of Raw years. To where it's like, oh, oh like gosh. you get a Hugh Jackman, uh, but it's not Hugh Jackman promoting X Men, or you get, uh, you know, you'd also you're gonna have to go through a bunch of Ken Jongs to get to your Hugh Jackman, right? And it's like they had Ozzy Osbourne one week, and it's like, oh, like I wonder who's gonna be there next week, and then it's like it's Cedric the Entertainer, who like hadn't done anything for years. Now he's got a TV show, but it's like, uh, okay, like why yeah. can't we? get like something like 
why is WWE not shelling out all like why are they not saying like hey we're gonna pay Conor McGregor four million oh, for one appearance on Raw to we're gonna give him a live microphone in the performance center dude that would be and incredible. let him just cut promos on everybody or or give him the Mike Tyson spot uh, totally exactly. I mean I I feel like as a wrestling fan and as an old wrestling fan like if you were to go into that where it's like who's going to like be the guest general manager not that they do that anymore but if you were going to do that it's like obviously someone like conor mcgregor um yes but like it's been so long since the 80s now and even the right. 90s in some aspects that it's like go get some wrestlers from back then that people loved and bring them back like I know that they've done that some with like the Raw reunion episodes, but they don't ever use them for anything. It's like, hey, right. we're gonna bring out Sergeant Slaughter, and he's just gonna stand there, and then he's gonna go back behind the curtain. It's like, that's awesome, I guess. But like, if you told me that if I tune into Raw and I got to see, you know, Hacksaw for three three well, hours actually do something, even if it was all just twenty four seven title stuff, and it was just kind of like ridiculously stupid, like. I'm more excited about that. I understand the mainstream maybe isn't, but like that at least gives you something. And then people who watched back in the day will go, "Oh man, I remember watching Hacksaw. That was great." Or whoever. Well, your your perfect example of this is Jake the Snake Roberts in AEW. Oh my gosh. He doesn't have to get physical. Yeah. He's cutting money promos every week. The best. And he's a manager. Bring back managers. Let these big over people from the 90s and the 80s mm. come back. Put these guys over and make stars. Lance Archer is already a star in A&W, okay. and he hasn't done anything. Lance Archer. And it's because Jake oh, the Snake is in his corner. I love Lance Archer so much. I hadn't seen anything, any of his work before A&W, and now that he's in there, I can't wait to see what's next. They've opened the, at least the last two Dynamites with like cold open Jake the Snake promos, and like exactly like you said, Jake, it is seriously, it is the best. Like, like I am a big Jake the Snake fan. I love his story. I think sort of his redemption in life through, you know, that you saw in his documentary with DDP. I, like, yeah. let me tell you this. There's a reason why I have one tattoo and it's a DDP tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like yeah. I, 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 I love that story and I love Jake the snake. I think that you do bring people back. Like, let me, let me just give you this. If you were watching or if you heard on Monday night raw, that Hulk Hogan was going to come out and manage a new act, and he was going to be a regular on the show. Not wrestling, not being Hulk Hogan, really. Just being manager Hogan, right? Like, would you not be... Being in the would corner. Would you not be somewhat more excited? Yeah. Like, I, I just want to see what it is. That's all I'd want to do is I would be like, I like, want to see what this is. Could you imagine Dean Ambrose in WWE? Okay. He's on his own. He's It's right before he won the WWE title, but everyone thinks he should be WWE champion because everyone thought he would be the first WWE champion out of, out of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he ended up being the last. Could you imagine? They bring out a superstar who, and I'm not using the WWE term superstar. I'm meaning a superstar to come out and manage him by the name of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like... Now, Dean Ambrose can talk. He didn't need a manager. Yeah. 
But I think but, it adds so much to the character that, like, I, I mean, hey, you want you want a perfect example right now? People love Paul Heyman and, like, love him or hate him, Brock Lesnar is over. Like, oh, he's the most over person in the company. He's over, and I think a lot of that has to do is because Paul Heyman can come out and just play himself in the worst possible version and people love it like when when i saw lesnar come out at the raw we went to uh landon and i went to like you know yeah whatever um i think did he come out at the one we were at too yeah he came out because oh my gosh i forgot about that when we saw him in 2019 he came out uh because they were building to him versus finn at the rumble at, at rumble and it's like just the deafening booze. It's like, obvi- yeah, he's not over as the most popular guy, but like, but he's over. He's over as the most hate. Like I, it it it's hard for me to say this because I don't want to, but it's like as loud at you know on the first episode I talked about how I was there for Edge's return at the 2020 Rumble, as loud as that that pop was. Brock Lesnar being eliminated by Drew was was a significantly louder oh, pop dude. than that. Like it was like easily the loudest reaction I've ever heard, and like that's what made it painful to like have Edge come out later and it not be as loud of a yeah. pop. Still a huge pop, but like that speaks volumes to like everyone in this building hates Brock Lesnar so much, whether they're sick of seeing him on TV or whether like. He's worked them into a shoot, like anger wise. Well, and and it, it, again, I think it just goes to show, like what the WWE does with their, you know, previous wrestlers, people who come back to the company or whatever, is they always put them in these spots that they don't actually do anything. Like even right. Steve Austin at this point comes out, does his thing with the beer, you know flips the crowd off and and moves on with his life and it's like that's awesome what exactly it's 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 fun what? but it's not it doesn't add anything it doesn't add any sort of meaningful way for me to want to watch the next week but and it's not helping the current it's not talent the current talent at all but you have Jake the Snake in AEW who all he has to do is walk to the ring look at Cody and say Caesar oh my Caesar and I'm immediately over the moon like I need to know what's going to happen next I need to tune in because if I don't see what happens next in the story I'm going to feel like I've missed out and going back to the whole manager thing like some of the greatest managers in wrestling history are former wrestlers so it's like they know what it takes to get over either as a face or a heel with the crowd and like that's what blows my mind uh, is like you know, authors of pain, like, I guess they're cool because, like, they're big and intimidating. But, like, the reason they've done nothing uh, since leaving NXT is because in NXT, you had them with Paul Ellering, uh, who managed the yeah. Road Warriors. I mean, uh, watching oh, who watching Sean Spears versus Cody, like, on paper, it's like, oh, like... That's, like, and I mean this in the sincerest way. It's like, oh, that's a nice, like, mid-card match. Yeah. But with, when they had their match at, uh, I want to say it was Full Gear. I think uh, so, yeah. They have their match, and you see Tolly Blanchard doing, like, old-school manager heel work where he's putting Mm -hmm. the foot on the rope. He 
takes off his belt, throws it, gets caught. So then, like, he pulls, like, brass knucks out of his pants, like, doing everything yeah. he can to cheat. And then, like, you have Arn Anderson come out and back totally down. So it's, like, it blows my mind. You know, like, here's something I would love whenever, like, why... Like, why it's so easy. don't you... Ha- exactly. Like, why don't you have people that have, like, done so much in their careers not come back and, like, use their momentum to try and get other talent over instead of just a one-off, like, hey, here's uh, The Rock and Becky Lynch in the ring. Or, hey, here's, uh, you know, here's Stone Cold and Ricochet in the ring shaking hands or something. Or here's like, here's DX and, uh, you know, Seth Rollins. Yeah, it's like... Imagine, like, you know, uh, imagine, like, if Triple H, and I don't think, with his ego, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, imagine if Triple H's only on-screen role was as a manager. Like, not as the authority, not as a GM, not as, like, hey, like, I know, like, I'm a bad guy on Raw and SmackDown, but then in NXT, like... I'm like I'm everybody's favorite. I'm everyone's favorite dad. Oh. It's like imagine like we got a glimpse of it like whenever like when Seth Rollins first turned heel and aligned with the authority. It's like imagine right. if the authority's only role was like, hey, we are personally gonna manage Seth. Like how impactful well, that would have been. You know I love eighties wrestling. You know I love late 80s wwf everyone loves that stuff every heel in the company had a manager it didn't matter if they could talk or not they had a manager and bobby the brain heenan probably the greatest manager of all time you know it's a debate but he's one of the guys that is that goat status as a manager had at least five guys at all times under his management. Why can't we do that now? Have some of these great old heels that we used to, that were super over come back. And I mean, you can even have managers for faces like Cody has with Arn, but it's like, it just helps the effective heel work in, in the work. And I think the, the example that you get today in WWE is that the biggest one is, is Zelina Vega with, Andrade, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza, but it just does nothing yeah. for me. That one in particular, because I just don't, I, well, I don't believe, I just don't believe like the sort of, like if you if you have, you know, I see an interview with Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard, and it's like I imme- I automatically immediately believe that Tully Blanchard is a bad dude. But well, I think. Go I was going to say, but with this, like, you know, Andrade, Zelina Vega thing, it it just doesn't – like, she was on commentary this week on Raw. I watched it, and, I mean, just her commentary – like, literally, she's like, you're stupid. You're bad at commentary, and you're stupid. And it's like, that. what, what is so, that? Here's the thing. She could be leading the best heel stable in the business right now because all three of those dudes – they sit there and they're like, they're good heels, but they could be elevated. Andrade's a great heel. Yeah. 
And I think the problem is WWE doesn't let hasn't let any of their people besides like a Paul Heyman take the training wheels off. Yeah, you they're out there with their training wheels and they don't get to say what they say. Yeah, you when was the last time WWE had a real legitimate heel that wasn't someone like when was the last time someone in WWE other than Brock had real heat instead of go away heat? Mm. And I think my personal opinion is because you have a lot of the uh, their philanthropist and corporate yeah. sponsors that limit to like MJF. I hope, I hope, I hope he never goes anywhere near WWE. Could he still get oh, over? He'll be ruined. Yeah. Could he get over? Yeah. Is he going to be anywhere near the heel he is? No, because of those, like you said, those training wheel limitations. And I like from a business point, I I get it because there's stories of the Million Dollar Man and the Dudley Boys, where they talk to Vince and they're like, "Okay, like I'm a heel, so I'm not going to do autograph signings." And then Vince laughs and says, "Oh, yeah, you are." Uh, which I totally get that from a business standpoint, but it's like, you know, where's somebody like when was the last time, like, there was a heel on TV that where you thought like. I cannot wait to see them get their face kicked in instead of like, S- oh, like I just want to change the channel because this is just boring. I can't think of anything since e- I've been watching. SES CM Punk. Yeah, like you had like, that's a great point. Like the straight edge society, uh, like everyone in the world, everyone in the wrestling world has their opinions on punk, good and bad. Uh, but it's like, if you look at the numbers of what he drew as champion, uh, and if you look at, like, the heat he got with the Straight Edge Society, uh, to where he just did the simple thing of, like, hey, I'm better than you, and it's because I'm Straight Edge. And so, like, to the average person, it's like, oh, like, you're not better than me. You're just, like, a skinny little punk, no pun intended. <laughs> but it's like, you know, uh, and I'm not saying this is the best thing, but you look in the Attitude Era at, you know, Ministry Undertaker uh, to where he was doing, like, all this dark, evil stuff. And so, like, he worked all, he worked every church in the United States into a shoot uh, oh, yeah. about being this <laughs> this evil guy. And it's like, for me, like, for those of you who don't know, like, I work at, uh, a church and I do a lot of church work and so like it, like I love hearing stories of that and it's like they, no like you guys just got worked over like <laughs> Undertaker being a great heel and I love one of the things I love about old school wrestling is hearing stories either from Jim Cornette or Jerry Lawler or Terry Funk or Ric Flair guys talking about like Roddy Piper to where it's like yeah we like we finished the show and we got out, and they were standing by my car, or like <laughs> security had to like run us, like had to like run us to the back because their people hated us that much. Uh, I mean, what was that story? Was it Terry Funk? Someone like stabbed him as he was leaving like the arena. Dude, there's so like you look at the list of wrestlers <laughs> that have been just stabbed because like they made people that that mad. It's like one of the things I can't remember who I heard say it. Uh, was like 
today's heels, and I think part of it comes from people trying to copy the rock and stone cold of like they were like the first be a cool heel yeah in the nwo it's like oh like they're bad guys but they're cool we want to buy their merch and you have so many people trying to replicate that and it may be a wwe corporate thing of like hey uh you're gonna be heel but we still want to sell your merch uh because we're not about to lose out on money like that versus so it's like you know, it just goes back to, like, what's better in wrestling, like, having a cool heel to where it's like, man, like, I want to wear a Seth Rollins shirt. I want to wear a Kevin Owens shirt. Or it's like, dude, like, I cannot wait until Roman Reigns gets his hand on Seth Rollins. And, like, I hope like I hope Seth Rollins legitimately gets hurt. I hope his knee blows out again and he <laughs> <laughs> retires. Uh from it uh, and it's like it's just such a simple thing like good guys and bad guys like it only works if there's clearly a good guy and clearly a bad guy totally right and i think like for I, I think i'm also a you know you could say part of the problem if you wanted to say that is because there are some of those heels that i do love like uh, you know in nxt there's a guy named dexter loomis and i he's obviously like a heel type character I love him. He's bi- his gimmick's basically he's a serial killer, um, <laughs> and like I can't help but just be insanely into the idea of the bad guy that we can all cheer for because he's doing something something that we all want to see. But you also have somebody like MJF who I literally just want to see his him get his head caved in. Like I, I. Oh like, yeah, like, like to take it to to, to reference the uh, the Tiger King real quick. Where's where's the <laughs> Jeff Lowe of wrestling? Just the guy, just the guy that you want to see. Just you, if you saw Dude. him in person, like I have a friend who literally was like, if I saw Jeff Lowe in person, I'd fight him, like just on the spot. I, I would, would too. Him. And it's like I want that. Where's that in wrestling? I just want to knock that stupid hat <laughs> off of his head. Hey, hey, hear me out on this. WCW in 1996 in the summer, you see Jeff Lowe, his girlfriend Lauren, and their nanny walk out in jeans and jean vests, and they say, you know who we are, <laughs> but you don't know why we're here. Oh, <laughs> like, you could just see oh. the trash like being thrown in the ring. Um. You, you were talking about Cornette and all of them with their stories about getting stabbed in the parking lot or, you know, getting chased to their car. Did Have y'all watched Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Montreal Screwjob? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did y'all hear the Cornette story about how when he saw what happened in the ring, he went running out to his <laughs> yes. car? And he goes, he saw a car blow, blow past him, and he goes, I think that was Earl Hebner. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> That's the best. But, uh. You know, to to kind of get back on track, we've gone off <laughs> we, on a huge tangent here. Um, I didn't think I was going to complain about wrestling so much today as <laughs> I was. It's you out know, of love, right? But you know, it's out of love. I love the product, and I want WWE to be the best Me it can too. be because it is, it is the Walmart to your local shopping center. You know, it's the big product. Um, but the wrestling we've watched this week. 
we've all watched some wrestling. We've all watched AEW. We've talked about that, so no need to bring up Revolution again. Landon, it looked like you were ready to talk. What what wrestling did you watch this week? So I watched WrestleMania eight this week uh, from 1992. And this is back when there were only four pay-per-views uh, in the occasional uh, wrestling challenge or Saturday night's main event. Uh, if you're not familiar with that card, let me sum it up for you. Ric Flair versus the Macho Man Randy Savage for the WWF mm. Championship. And Hulk Hogan versus Sid Vicious. And what's insane about this is, like, there's always, in the wrestling business, you know, Ric Flair's 92 year in the WWF uh, wouldn't come back until years, years later. It's like, what would happen if we, like, if we lived in the world where WrestleMania 8 was Hogan versus Flair? Flair wins the title at the Royal Rumble. And you just have this build until WrestleMania. Uh, and it'd be insane because we still wouldn't get Flair Hogan on TV for a couple of years. Uh, and I'll say this, kind of, it piggybacks off of what we just finished talking about. My roommate and I, so we watched Royal Rumble 92, actually uh, the Saturday night before Royal Rumble 2020. Uh, we taken uh, the box set of the Royal Rumble Anthology DVDs just to hype us up, get some r- rumbles going. And so then we started watching some TV episodes of Wrestling Challenge uh, from 92 to bridge us into WrestleMania. And all I can say is the one thing wrestling lacks on like whatever show you're watching is there is so rarely a reason to tune in the next week. You know, if you look at old episodes uh, from the Ruthless Aggression era, the Attitude era, the Golden era, there was always something that would happen at the end that was almost like a cliffhanger of, well, now i got to watch next week because i got to see how Hulk Hogan's going to get revenge on Roddy Piper or crap like, I just saw Dusty Rhodes die in a snuff film. Like I got, <laughs> like I got to see like how this is handled next week on uh, Jim Crockett TV, and that's like I like I love wrestling. I think it's I don't know if there will be a day that I don't love wrestling. Uh, but if man WrestleMania eight like nineteen ninety two was such a great year. Uh, for wrestling, and it's like it goes off air to where it's like, oh my gosh, like Macho Man versus Flair, like they're coming to blow, or like Sid just destroyed uh, Beefcake's barber shop, like like Sid literally destroyed the set. There's never gonna be the barber shop ever again, and now Hulk Hogan's gonna have to deal with that fury. And wrath. Uh, all in all, like it's on the network. And here's the thing, people don't understand. Pay per views didn't used to be four to eight hours. Uh, I think the no. runtime is just right. It's either right under three hours or right at three hours, uh, which is so much easier to sit through. And like everything is solid. Like every match on the card mattered back then. It wasn't just filler. Like hey. We need you guys to go wrestle a six-man tag for 45 minutes. But instead, it's like, hey, here's uh, IRS and Ted DiBiase 
versus these guys and you just like every like everything was worth watching you don't want to like fast forward through anything so that's the wrestling i watched this week jimmy what did you watch um i watched uh, like basically some raws and smackdowns from the last couple weeks um and i i want to i want to tag off of what you said with the end of show problem which the end of smackdown last week or maybe two weeks ago was uh, uh, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman having a promo together, basically, where Braun um, sort of, like, flips the whole, like, like, he basically says, like, anytime you're ready, um, I'm going to let you in so you can get these hands, which is the worst anyways. But um, (laughs) (laughs) the the end-of-show problem is, like, that happens, and it's like, I... My favorite character in wrestling right now is probably The Fiend, at least WWE, just because I think it's the most interesting. Yeah. The The build was the most interesting. But, like, I couldn't be less excited to watch Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt wrestle. I, I just – there's there's nothing about it that gets me interested. Like, even the, like, dynamic of, oh, Braun was in the Wyatt family. It's like I just – I just don't really care about that all that much to be completely honest with you. It just it 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 just feels like they're booking themselves into a corner once again. Braun is the perfect example of a guy who could really use a manager. Yes. Like yeah. imagine if he had like, you know, as a heel if he had a Bobby Heenan with him to where it's like, oh, man, "Hey, here's a guy that's stronger than literally anybody and we're going to show you why." Or, you know, you know, if he's a face, put him with like a a Jimmy Hart or somebody. Yeah. Like, man, imagine like what if Mark Henry was his manager? Oh my gosh! Or, t- oh, or like if Tony At if Tony Atlas was his manager, and it's like, hey, like <laughs> here's the greatest <laughs> baby face. And imagine, I'm just saying, like the Fiend. Let's say it's Tony Atlas, and the Fiend takes out Tony Atlas, and so Braun's like, oh no, like you just cross. Cross the line, like, yeah. It's like now uh, it's like okay, now I want to watch him fight because exactly. he's getting. We've got some stakes exactly. there on that. Um, but you know, besides that, like I feel like AEW, like does better in ending their shows, but still maybe has the same problem. Like obviously they have the turn, th- they have the tournament going on. But like this last week was was the uh, Moxley versus Jake Hagar match. It's a great match. Um, I really really enjoyed it. I, I love both those wrestlers. Obviously, uh, you know we talked about Moxley earlier. But um, it ends and Moxley, you know, stands tall and it just feels like okay, you're you're th- they're leading towards Inner Circle and Matt Hardy, you know, broken Matt Hardy type of thing. But like. Who is who does John Moxley go after? Like who who's gonna come after him next? Like I don't know. Like it just feels like I'm sure they have a plan. I'm not saying that they don't, but it, it does. There is an element of like, okay, I just saw like the baby face win. Why do I, why do I tune yeah. in next week? Well, that's the problem with an undefeated baby face champion. Like there's. I love John Moxley's champion, and that dude is a you know ass kicker. But what do you do with a challenger when he's ran through arguably your top heel? Yeah. I mean, MJF is the top heel, but I mean, 
Chris Jericho is the top main event yeah, guy. I mean, I, I could see and an MJF Moxley thing. That would be cool. I'd love that. But that also is a, one of those moments where we kind of ruin somebody's momentum as MJF is another guy that has all the momentum in the world. So do we make him lose because he's facing the champion? The babyface yeah, champion? It's hard. I mean I I get I get uh I get that it's hard. I'm not saying that I would do any better. I'd probably do a lot worse actually, but um Right. It is interesting. Uh on top of that, like like I said, I, I, I watching AEW, I'm just excited about AEW in general. Anyways, so I, I'm I'm interested to see how they built the double or nothing and see how that show goes and they are a company that always has a plan. Yes. Like you can see that from the moment they started. So I'm not worried about that, but you know, it is something that they have yeah. to think about. Um, I'm going to say the last thing, not that I watched, but I, I guess I watched it. It was right before we got on here, but um, the revolt posted a, a teaser video. <laughs> uh, other, otherwise yeah. known as the Re- fear, the revolt is the revival uh, back in WWE. But, um, very, very excited about that. I'm interested. I assume they were they're going to AW. That's like the whole. That's you know the the word on the street. But oh. um, why wouldn't they sign with AW? Exactly. Like, I I I'm very excited to see them versus Young Bucks. I'm excited to see them versus the Lucha Bros. I mean, you just start naming tag teams in AW and and very. I want to see them against the yeah, best friends. Very quickly, it, it becomes very exciting. <laughs> so, um, Jake, what? And then randomly going over to New exactly, Japan. Exactly right. You know? Jake, what did you? What else did you watch this week besides Revolution? Okay, well, I wanted to do a study on uh, the most over crowds in the last 10, 15, 20 years, and. The two matches that immediately jumped out in my head, and and one is one of my, well, they're both two of my favorite matches of all time, uh, just because they, you know, the crowd, it's amazing to see what a true wrestling crowd is whenever you see it. So the first match I watched was Money in the Bank 2011, CM Punk versus John Cena. And I watched the Raw, and the reason that happened is someone posted the Raw right before that pay-per-view. Whenever Vince is going through, or CM Punk's going through all his demands, you know, I want CM Punk the movie, you know, all that stuff. And then I skipped the entire pay-per-view because I had no, I don't want to know, I don't want to watch those matches. Like, the only other hot hot match from that is Christian versus Randy Orton when Christian spits in Randy Orton's mouth and gets DQ'd to keep his title like heel Christian was great he was an amazing character yeah so I I fast forward to the video package and it you know it starts off with the is is everybody listening to me now from CM Punk and it just goes through the whole thing, and then it ends with uh, Vince McMahon telling John Cena, if CM Punk walks out as WWE champion, you're fired! 
which is always great to hear on camera, not so much off camera, but, um, it is kind of funny that I watched a match that included him yelling, you're fired on this week, but, uh, how over CM Punk is in that building that night. Like I've never heard besides the second match I watched this week, John Cena get booed that hard. And it's amazing to watch John Cena walk straight to the ring and not even look at the crowd. He didn't do a single one of his normal things. I don't even think he threw his t-shirt into the stands. He came in. He didn't do a salute. He walked straight to the ring. It was enemy territory and it was time to go to work. And I loved it. I love that John Cena. I don't like normal John Cena. I want to see John Cena. He was a heel that night. And it worked. CM Punk was so over in the storytelling they're doing in that match because they start off chain wrestling and they're they're putting themselves in headlocks and it, it's an amazing it's an amazing throwback type of match. And it's on top of a lot of people's all-time greatest matches list. I mean, it's a fantastic match. It's so hot. But when Vince and uh uh, John Laurinaitis come out and the whole match just changes they're getting ready to do the Chicago screw job on CM Punk Vince calls for the bell and I think he tells Laurinaitis I can't remember who he tells to ring the bell in favor of Cena and Cena gets out of the ring and lays the dude out like no we're not doing it this way we're going to do it right. And then he gets in the ring and immediately goes down to CM Punk. CM Punk grabs the belt, tries to run away, and Vince is on the microphone going, get Alberto out here. We need him to cash in right now. So CM Punk lays out Berto and, and leaves. And it's just like, I can remember watching that live and going, what is going to happen now? It gave you a reason to tune into Raw the very next day. Exactly. It's amazing how we were talking about this and my watching tied directly into this because it was like the WWE Championship just walked out. And so there was that match. And, you know, I I want to go watch the Raw after that. I want to watch the, I think it was the next two Raws because they had that Raw tournament to declare a new champion which is the most predictable thing they could have done and then they didn't wait it out and they had cm punk return the next week and they could have done so much more with that i mean they could have done big business with him all around the country running the territories yeah like there's something like slow builds in wrestling are so missed and i know a lot of people are afraid of like well like people's attention spans are way shorter than they used to be but having that to where it's like you know what like imagine if it would have gone that long where say all of a sudden CM Punk they like it required WWE to do business uh, with other places but you have CM Punk they do a deal with Ring of Honor so CM Punk goes to Ring of Honor or CM Punk right you know uh Goes to Mexico. Goes to New Japan. Goes to New Japan. Uh, just for, like, the sake of, like, oh, like, 
like WWE could have worked us all like hook line and sinker into thinking like oh like CM Punk's literally not with WWE anymore because he keeps showing up at these places with their belt and they don't talk right. about him on TV and then build into like okay well it's been like four weeks of negotiating so next week we are going to start a tournament to crown the WWE champion again yeah he's not coming back he's gone like straight up and lie to our faces that he's not coming back and do that and all of a sudden you're making it's like the piper hogan thing you know to where piper refused to put hogan over clean uh and it's and then you've worked everybody too yeah it's like because run it he's gone elsewhere exactly like Run it until you don't have anything else to do, and then you jump into your next thing, and you milk that for all it's worth. And then all of a sudden in the tournament finals, here's CM Punk. Exactly. And he's he's doing a run-in because he's the true champion. Neither one of these guys are the champion. And it, there could have been such better business after that, and then he drops the title like a month later. Right. Like, but... You know, and then he ends up becoming one of the longest reigning WWE champions of all time. But it was amazing what they had because they had they they had lightning in a bottle that summer. And then typical Vince McMahon, oh, we got to take him on a ride. Uh, they dropped the ball because he ended up fighting tri- Triple H at SummerSlam that year and putting Triple H over. I will say, like, I don't want to talk about it much just because. <laughs> I'll get bit out of shape, but I actually like I didn't watch the matches, but I rewatched all of that build up of twenty eleven, like starting like when Kevin Nash comes back just a couple of weeks <laughs> later and all of that and like everything triple like every on screen thing Triple H is involved in during that makes no sense at all. It's like why right. is Triple H like okay, now that Kevin Nash showing up like is now it's a Kevin Nash Triple H feud okay now we have a Triple H CM Punk feud now we have a Triple H John Cena right. feud it's like and Punk says and Kev go ahead and Kevin Nash disappeared just as quick as he appeared yeah and it's like you can't tell me you couldn't have made more money with Kevin Nash during that time to where right. like have Kevin Nash be like okay I'm gonna challenge Punk for the title or okay now I'm gonna challenge Cena for the title uh, and right. Punk says it in one of the promos. He's like, he's like, I don't need to work with you talking about Triple H. He says, you need to work with me. And Triple H, like, his face gets all bright red. And there's just, like, little segments to where, like, why is Triple H out there for the contract mm-hmm. signing with CM Punk and Vince McMahon? Just little right. little things like that. And it's just a thing of, like, well, hey, we have the potential to have something great. And uh, now, the gun was jumped. I will. I will say I do remember when Triple H came out that next night on Raw and fired Vince McMahon, took over the company, and that was another one of those great instances of what in the hell is going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Because it was like we've never lived in a WWF where Vince McMahon wasn't in control, like. Now Triple H is in control, and he's not a heel, so what's going to go on here? Right. 
But, uh, you know, that I'm going to watch the rest of that build, and I'll probably try to talk about that either next week or the week after if I get, get a chance to. The other match that I watched, and I watched both of these. I watched this match because I it reminded me of how over the Chicago crowd was with CM Punk. And that was... One night stand was it 06. Is it is it Cena RVD? It's Cena versus RVD. Yes, I got whenever you were talking about Cena not being all flashy and just like marching in with his head down versus Punk for a split second. I was like, man, like that just makes me think of one night stand 06, June 11th, 2006. Arguably, <laughs> arguably the most definitive pay per view in Landon's. Uh, fan life and the most different pay-per-view besides the last you know besides wrestlemania this year because it was in a small room it was the hammerstein ballroom it was ecw so you saw like no wwe blueprint on the whole show and except for wwe guys being on the show like but To hear that that crowd, and it was that 90s ECW crowd, just crap all over Cena. If Cena wins, we and, riot. Yeah, if Cena wins, we riot. Like, I I want to say, and excuse this, but I want to say, like, one of the crap, one of the chants was even Cena swallows. Like, classic ECW and it was just like you know this wasn't the WWE that we have now it wasn't even the WWE we had in 06 but it was that and I'm not saying that it has to be dirty but it was that y'all got lightning in a bottle by doing something different something unique exactly it was in a small room and it was wrestling fans. It wasn't sports entertainment fans. And you have what I love about that, that show in particular, is the phrase, if Cena wins, we riot. L when was the last time we saw, like, heat to that level? To where, like, today's equivalent is like, oh, well, I'm going to cancel my network subscription because I'm upset. Right. And uh, I feel like a lot of modern fans have had that feeling, and rightly so. But it's like, when was the last time to where it's like, if Seth Rollins wins, like, I'm jumping over this barricade and I'm hitting people because <laughs> I do not want him to win. And if John Cena won that night, that's what would have yeah, happened. And there's a, uh, on one of Cena's documentary DVDs, I think it's on the network, uh, he talks about how after that match they had the like it was he said that's his first experience to have like old school heat to where they had his bags packed and ready for him so as soon as the match was over yeah he gets like they have the car outside the back door the door open they have someone in the back seat to open the door as soon as Cena uh yeah. as soon as Cena walks out to so he, Cena can throw his luggage in, the guy could grab it, pull it out of the way for Cena to dive in. And he said, like, fans were, like, chunking bricks, like, at his car because that night they legitimately hated Cena because he 
like in that moment he represented everything they hated about wrestling. So when I watched that match the first time, a wrestling fan back then, I was a WWE fan. I had never watched anything that wasn't WWE. A wrestling fan gave me that DVD and said, watch this. That is the DVD that changed how I viewed wrestling. But at the time, I was the guy that was wearing a Cena shirt. I was wear I had my two Cena shirts. Like I said, I had purple, I had orange. And I watched, I, I wore the Cena shirts everywhere. You know, I was that guy. And I watched that match and I was like, okay, that changes things. Like, this is different. Like, this is, this is my kind of wrestling. I want to watch this stuff. So, we, you know, I watched that, I watched that match again now after being a different kind of wrestling fan and now Landon's holding up the DVD. Oh, that's 05. Oh, man. I, I, I need to get those DVDs. Dude, they are like, honestly, like if I had to, this might be a hot take. If I could only watch one wrestling pay-per-view or event for the rest of my life, I think it would be One Night Stand 06 because it's so different. Like, you have the technical matches on it. You have the brawls. You have the storytelling. Uh, there's comedy in it. Like, yeah. It's just so good. Dude, and and how hot that room was and the story that was built into it where Paul Heyman was... Both of your champions, WWE, are going to have a match against my guys. And if one of my guys wins, that title is no more. It is the ECW title from now on. So when Rob Van Dam wins that title, I, I mean, obviously I didn't watch it live, but like all these WWE fans were probably going, what's going to happen next? It's that page turner like i need to see the next chapter i i so i was like that was peak landon watching uh like by the fact that i remember the commercials like saying june 11th <laughs> uh and i didn't get to watch it live because i like we didn't even have like the ability at our house to order pay-per-view like we didn't have the cable box gotcha. in order to do it and like there's no way like <laughs> Uh, cause like we've talked about it, like, uh, we had really strict parents, uh, where yeah. we weren't allowed to watch wrestling. And so when it came out on DVD, even when I tried to buy it, my parents saw that it was titled one night stand. were like, no, you're not, you're not getting that. And me being naive, I was like, it just like, it's just like a one night, like final battle kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, like it, yeah. it for me, it was like, I didn't see the pay-per-view. Uh, but I had to watch, man, like it makes, I love this part of the show and it makes me excited for next week to see what we watch. Jimmy, have you seen one night stand? I have not seen the whole show. No. Have you seen Cena versus not, RVD? It makes me want to look it up. You need to watch it this week. We need to hear okay. your take on this match will, next week. You have... You have homework from from Jake this week because it was that life-changing match yeah. for me. And 
you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's not a matte classic, but the whole it has the whole yeah. package. I'll watch it for sure. I'm this week. My my goal in watching, uh, I've I sort of like the idea of of watching matches that I don't know who's in them. Like, I, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. Um, and so I have several yeah. DVDs that have either I don't know where, like, at least one of the people is, are, is, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, so my yeah. goal this week is to, is to crack open some of these DVDs up here on the shelf and uh, maybe watch some, some Jushin Thunder Liger matches, maybe watch some, ter- some Terry Funk mm. matches. Like, oh, a Funk of Powder. Yes, exactly. yes. So. So I'll, I'll add the the Cineverse RVD into that mix. I think it needs to be at the top right. of your list. I mean, you know, I will never say bump Juice and Thunder Liger to second, <laughs> but I understand. like it's such a hot match. It's such a mat- hot match. So you know, just take a look at it. You know, tell us what you think next week, because sure. I mean, me and Landon both have it near and dear in our heart. And I think you're going to love what you see because it's so different from everything else that WWE has produced. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. So, all right, guys. Well, do y'all have anything else to add for this one? No, uh, I just want to thank like those that have listened so far and given us feedback. Uh, We love to hear that. Uh, And we want to know like what you're watching as well. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what everybody's watching that's listening to the podcast. I want to know people that don't listen to the podcast so they can listen to the podcast because, uh, you know, we're doing. I I really have a lot of fun doing this. And, you know, I want to have some of those other fans on that we talk about. Some of the people that listen to this show, I want to hear the classic question why wrestling? Like, why do you like wrestling? 100%. I think that's fantastic. So, well, Jimmy, you were talking. Uh, I I think you have something to yeah, plug this week. My wife and I's podcast, uh, Date Bit D, the number eight bit. Um, our second episode is gonna is gonna be going up. Actually, it's gonna I'm gonna upload it right after we get off this uh, this call and um, finish recording our podcast. I'm gonna upload the second episode. It's up on iTunes now and. Um, uh, on Sweet. Spotify and all that good stuff, uh, but yeah. So we we just talk about video games and the video games we're playing. I think I think we're gonna start a game called Borderlands Two tonight together. So we're we're both looking forward to that. And so listen to this episode two for our take on the first one. I do have something to add um, since you brought up video games. Did you know there was a New Japan uh, Super Nintendo game? No, but I need it. <laughs> I found this out um, through Facebook today, and I've got the name saved. I'll oh, send it to you after do. this. I can't. It's it's some crazy like you Japanese to U.S. translation oh, type deal. I'm, I'm so into it. But it's like old school arcade looking wrestling. Yeah. And I want to play it so I, bad. I got to find a copy. So. So yeah, and you need it. Like I looked it up on eBay. And it's they've got like Super Famicom uh, releases on yeah. eBay, but uh, I didn't see any for like the actual well, Super hey, Nintendo. Super so. so there you go. 
There we go. Ready to go. Landon. Landon, you got anything to plug, bud? Uh, I got nothing. Uh, just to reiterate, check out uh, DateBit. Uh, it's phenomenal. Check out Best Movie Ever. Jake's got yeah. some new content dropping this week with that. Uh, if you listen to this, uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Like, just... Just tell us like what you liked, what yeah. you didn't like, and answer the question: Why wrestling? T- and tell me, like, we'll we'll make even a Facebook group for everybody so we can discuss all this during the during the I week. I mean, you know, we could make a Facebook group, add all of our wrestling fans, fan friends to it, and you know, talk wrestling all week. Maybe get ideas for the podcast, but uh. You know, like he said, like Landon said, you know, we want to hear what you, what you like, how you like the podcast, you know, what you like in wrestling. And, you know, we want, we want to hear that. So Landon, you got anything else there, bud? That's all I've got, fellas. Well, like he said, uh, go listen to best movie ever. Um, new content has dropped and, uh, that, you know, the hyped up blazing saddles episode that is finally dropping after, Listen, it's hail season, and I'm a roofer, it's so true. I've been busy. There's been a lot you know, of hail but, storms uh, recently, <laughs> surprisingly. But uh, I think I think up next for uh, best movie ever is going to be the original oh, King man. Kong. So I'm excited stuff. to watch that. I've never That's seen it. I, I love that movie. I've I've seen almost every other iteration of King Kong, but that one. So I got at right before all the quarantine, I went to Vintage Stock and got a. Uh, dual collection called the Kong Collection, where it's King Kong and Son of Kong Beautiful. from the 30s. So I'm gonna watch both of those, but that might be like a double header episode since they're both like <laughs> an hour long. But uh, yeah, go uh, go go listen to Best Movie Ever. We've got uh, like 10 episodes now. Um, go like us on Twitter at the letter B K Fabe B K Fabe letter B then K Fabe. Um, you know, tell us what you think. We're on iTunes now, finally. So like, you know, subscribe, review, rate, do all of those things. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Anchor. Um, make sure you uh, make sure you give us a review. We we it only helps us get more view, get more listeners, and it only helps us in the long run uh, keep to help keep making quality content for you guys. Um, if, if y'all think that the Facebook group idea is a good idea, I can get that up by the next episode. So let us know if you want to be part of that Facebook group. Um, but as far as that, I I think that's all we got. Jimmy, do you have something else? i see you with no, the I'm, microphone. No. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us today, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, listening. And like I said, rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Too sweet. Too sweet.